Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. So today, we're going to be centering everything we talk about on the Word of God. The things that Jesus himself said about who will be saved and who will be lost. I have to believe that of everything that's ever been said by anyone at any time, there is nothing more significant than when the Son of God, who was raised and is now ruling as our King, when He says, these are the people that I'm taking to heaven with me, and these are the people I'm leaving behind, that whatever specific things He said should be more important to us than anyone or anything on the planet. So in just a little while, we're going to settle into Matthew 25 and listen to Jesus. But first, let me talk a little bit about the title today, These Salvation Issues. On the surface, that sounds pretty basic. Jesus tells us what they are, and we believe him. But it tends to get a little more complicated than that. I mean, have you ever heard people debate over what the salvation issues are? And just to be clear, I think we all mean the same thing when we use that phrase. These are the issues where if you do this, you can be saved, and if you don't, you're lost. Or maybe to invert that for some moral principle. If you engage in that bad behavior, you cannot be a part of the kingdom of heaven, and if you abstain from it, you can. Anyone I've ever conversed with over salvation issues, that's what they meant. But have you noticed that not everyone's list is the same? In fact, different local churches draw lines of heaven or hell in somewhat different places than churches of the same name right up the street. I think there's just something in each one of us who feels like we need to draw the lines so everyone will know where they are. But you'll notice with some people, those lines always happen to be the issues that mean the most to them. If it's a conviction in my life that there is right and there is wrong, then everyone else must also honor that same conviction. Sometimes local churches will grab a handful of those convictions and say, these are the principles of this church. If you see these selected salvation issues like we do, this is the place for you. If not, you may need to go somewhere else. But in and of itself, that means that people's lists will be different because our convictions on things are different. I'm not talking about the commands of scriptures. I'm talking about the way that we view examples or the limitations of the patterns we see in the book of Acts or maybe how we interpret some portion of imagery. It is not my purpose today to encourage you to just disregard all of that that those lines don't exist and no one should draw them. I probably should have said that earlier because I'm sure there are a few preachers secretly listening in today hoping that I slaughter some sacred cow and announce something is not a salvation issue, which they clearly believe they can prove to be. 
While I'm not going to do that, and I do want to get to the words of Jesus, this introduction is purposeful. I just think we need to be more careful about the lines that we draw in the sand. Usually, the lines that are drawn by someone about what is an issue of eternal consequence, that person just happens to be on the right side of all those lines. Can you believe it? And if you bring up one that's important to you that they're not doing, they will probably quickly dismiss it. Well, that's not a salvation issue. What I'm telling you is it can get complicated because it becomes quite subjective based on your inclinations or the way you interpret scripture on issues where God has not been abundantly clear. Those issues will continue to get debated until Jesus comes back. And again, I'm not telling you to just ignore them, but I am telling you this. Jesus himself in his ministry spoke words that he deemed salvation relevant. Simple things like you must believe in order to be saved. Jesus said that. That is a salvation issue. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. By our king's pronouncement, the willingness to turn from sins when we see them is necessary. I feel comfortable adding, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus said that, and I believe him. And for most of us, the salvation issues list is much longer than that, and maybe it should be. Though I would warn you to be careful condemning someone as lost in the name of Jesus without clear scriptural teaching. But more importantly, Jesus had a few other things to say also, and I want you to see them today. And I'll say once more, in case those guys are still listening, I'm not suggesting you throw out every other issue, but the issues that Jesus in his ministry put at the forefront need to be at the foundation of all that we teach and do. And no list someone makes over who is saved and who is not will be of much good unless it includes these things before everything else. So I'm settled into Matthew chapter 25, and around the middle of that chapter, Jesus says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on the left. He goes on to explain, everyone on his left will go to eternal fire, and everyone on his right will be taken to glory. I'm pretty sure you're picking up what I'm laying down already today, but let me go ahead and add, it is Jesus who makes this decision. No one else does. Not a friend, not a foe, not a preacher, or a church, or even yourself. The time is coming, and Jesus will decide. But praise be to God that Christ was abundantly clear how that distinction will be determined. The salvation issues straight from the mouth of the Savior. Throughout the whole of that chapter, Jesus gives three stories or events to make sure we are abundantly clear on what matters to him. Throughout the rest of this episode, I will lay out each of those three stories, show the grand warning therein, and wrap up each of those sections with some clear intentionality for everyone listening who truly believes Jesus. All right, so maybe you know the first one really well. There are ten virgins who are preparing for the bridegroom to open the door. 
all of them put oil in their lamps and go to the place of waiting. The bridegroom is delayed, and so everyone falls asleep. And then they hear it pronounced in the middle of the night, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. The five foolish virgins, however, had run out of oil for their lamps. So first they asked to borrow from the others, but they said, We don't have enough for both, only for ourselves. So they went back to town to get the oil. They needed more time. But by the time they had returned, the door was closed. They begged, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. You know, the other two stories we'll look at in a minute have more of a casting out into darkness, eternal fire-like condemnation. But I think this first one is the most chilling of the group. I don't know you. That sounds like a salvation issue for me. When Jesus comes, if he does not know me, though I beg for mercy, we will not have a relationship and I cannot be saved. I'd like to categorize this chapter into three mistakes that lead to being lost. And the first one is empty lamps. This story relates to people like you and me, people who are believers, who put oil in our lamps, who go to the right place or church and are somewhat prepared to meet our Lord, so long as the timing is right. We've prepared enough for the optimal moment. If the Lord comes back, Right now, I'm ready. But if he waits six months, I don't know if I'll still be hanging on. That is reflected in the first part of the story. Sometimes it goes the other way. If he comes now, I'm not ready. I need six months to prepare. And that's like them going to get the oil, hoping that he waited. But he didn't. You want to know what a salvation issue is? It is preparing to meet the Lord and staying prepared to meet the Lord. Not being someone who needs it to be at this time or at that time. Not being someone who is up and down and in and out and just prays that the timing is right. Not that it's some logistical thing where you happen to be in church if he comes on a Sunday. Jesus made it more than that in the last verse of this section when he said, be on the alert then for you do not know the day nor the hour. Salvation issues are always sown in the heart, a heart of urgency, of intense faith. It will reflect in someone who seeks to be over-prepared, abundantly prepared, so that they can be ready in his time, not their own. You want to be saved? Fill your lamp and keep it trimmed and ready. Okay, so the second story is probably the one we know the best, the parable of the talents. One man is given five, another two, another one. The master leaves for a long time and then returns. The first two guys got to work immediately and started gaining because they didn't know how much time they had. There was no time to waste. The master had invested in them and time was their friend. But the third guy is the real focal point of this story. He is afraid that he's not good enough, that he might lose what he has, that wrath might come his way, and so he does nothing. If the first story warns against empty lamps, the second one warns against buried talents. Because when the master returns and says, you knew that I expected results, and I gave you plenty of time to multiply, 
You let fear lead you into burying that talent in the backyard. You want to talk about a salvation issue? Jesus comes back and says to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm not sure Jesus could have used any more descriptive language of being lost. I always say about this story, it's not about how much you give to God. There were differences in what these three men were able to do. They were given different amounts based upon different abilities. It's not how much you grow to give God. It's how much you do with what you've been given. And I hope you can appreciate that that is what this entire Excel Still More series is about. The ING life. I need to be growing, changing, bearing for God. There are so many people housed in their habits, in their sound churches, with their salvation issue list all laid out with boxes filled with checks, who have entered hunker down, hold what we got mode, and are going to be lost. I'm not the one saying that. That is not my place to judge but it is what Jesus is teaching. Don't worry so much about the amount you're changing for God, only that you are changing for God. Not the amount that you're learning or the number of people that you're teaching, only that you are learning and teaching. It is laughable how inadequate I am to the worthiness of God, but I am committed to be in the act of doing something with the talents that he has given me when he chooses to return. How about you? By the way, caveat number like four, I'm not saying that sound doctrine and worship are unimportant, but they will never replace the words and teachings of Jesus for his disciples. If you'd like more ideas on what it means to cultivate your talents, let's finish with the third story. This is that point in the chapter where Jesus gives that brief interlude where he says, I am coming in all my glory to sit on my throne. I will gather all the nations and I will separate them. Now listen very carefully and I'll tell you exactly who is on the right and who is on the left. If the ones left behind consists of those with empty lamps and buried talents, it will also be occupied by those with idle hands when it comes to serving others. Let me just read some of this for you. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. I'll just be straight with you here. Of everything Jesus taught, nothing hits me harder than this section, where he is telling me in the clearest possible language, Chris, this is a salvation issue. 
it's almost worded for emphasis to sound like this is the salvation issue. I am going to put people in your life. They may seem like the least. And by the way, we don't have clarity here. When he says, the least of these brethren of mine, is he talking just about Christians? If so, the Bible talks about those who might be deemed less important, less developed in the kingdom, and those are the ones he's calling on me to serve and visit and feed and help. It's possible he's just talking about their Jewish brethren, the citizens around them, those who others won't help, the least, the ones who can't help in return. He said, that's how I'm going to decide it. Right there. To the extent that you served them like I would have served them if I'd been right there in that place, I will consider that as service to me. This, by the way, is really important for people who say, look, my salvation is between me and the Lord. I know God. He knows me. I love and serve God. He receives that. Jesus is saying, wake up, because I am going to gauge the authenticity of that love and service to me by the way you love and serve those who need help, spiritually, physically, in every possible way, whom I put in your path. So while we need full, prepared lamps and excavated and invested talents, we also need service-filled, active hands reaching out to others in the name of the Lord. In case you wonder if this truly is salvation-level life and death, he finishes by saying to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing, a stranger and you did not invite me in. And he goes through that entire list. And then these people who thought for sure that they were saved and who are about to be cast out forever ask him, When did we see you in that place, Lord? And he said, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to go out and help somebody. If I had more time today, I would talk to you about the grace of the Lord, His grand willingness to have compassion and forgive. If your lamp has been allowed to run empty, if your talent is buried in the backyard, if you've been missing service opportunities, you can be forgiven. God is so gracious and His mercies new every morning. But He is coming back on a day and hour that no one knows. How will He find you when He chooses to come? Prepare, grow, and serve. According to Jesus in this text, those are the salvation issues. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creationtorevelation.com. This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of Scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.